This is Father Gregory Pine. And this is Father Jacob Bertrand Jancic. And welcome to God's Planning. Thanks to all those who support us. If you enjoy the show, please consider making a monthly donation on Patreon. Be sure to like and subscribe to God's Planning wherever you listen to your podcasts. Father Jacob Bertrand. Hey. Hello. Um, at our last recording session, uh, we recorded some outros for the purpose of cultivating interest in our YouTube channel. Yeah. And those, <laughs> those, outros, those outros were hilarious. I yeah. thought they were great, top-notch, uh, some of our best creative enterprises. That's right. But now every time I turn to you and say, Father Jacob Bertrand, I think of those outros because those outros began in that way as I searched around, as I rootled around, a word that I have used overly much and inappropriately, not in that it's a bad word, but in that it's a word that I don't know the meaning of and I continue to use it. Um, yeah, I think of that. So, um, Father Jacob Bertrand, if we were... <laughs> Transition. <laughs> we were to discuss something uh, on the podcast pertinent to people's spiritual lives, that'd be great. But we also do that elsewhere, so even if we never got around to it, it would be okay, because we do Catholic classics. <laughs> and we do. Um, we're making some leaps yeah, and bounds. No, I mean, it's just, I'm you know back in the saddle, just getting back back to this here game of talking to people like a normal human being. It's great. I'm loving it. Thanks. Good um, job. So Catholic Classics, we've done two seasons now. Yeah. We did the Introduction to the Devout Life, and then we did Confessions. Yep. So St. Francis de Sales, St. Augustine. Um, do you prefer season one or season two? As far as producing them or listening to them? Uh, both. Oh, I've not listened to them. Oh, okay. So uh, <laughs> do I... So I, I think season two. Nice. Um. So yeah. what you're saying is Catholic Classics continues to improve. Exponentially. Yeah. So yeah, you're saying that people can expect similar improvements in future years. What's bigger than exponentially? It's like the next... <laughs> super like, exponentially? That's right. Yeah, yeah. hyper exponentially. Yeah. Super yeah. hyper exponentially. Is that like super califragile? I was literally thinking the same thing. Dude, great yeah. minds think alike, especially at the beginning of a God's planning episode. Amen. Such has been my experience of yeah. life. Yeah. No, but Catholic Classics, it's a cool thing um, to read a spiritual work, and in part because... People want to read spiritual works, or at least they want to want to read spiritual works. Yep. Uh, but it can be difficult to find that extra push, that outboard motivation motor. Um, but here we are, just living our outboard motivation motor lives. Um, if you were to choose, let's say, not, let's not say season three because that might give things away, or even season four, or even season five. But if you were to choose the text for season seven, what happened what, to six? I don't know. I just jumped over it. Okay. Um, what would you be inclined to say is the next? that you want to talk about? Gosh, I couldn't even come up with stuff for seasons one and two. <laughs> Never mind season seven with a gap year in season six. What would I want to talk about? Um, you know, I think I would want to do not, maybe not a, um, maybe not like a, a, a work in its entirety, if that makes sense. Maybe it'll make oh, sense yeah. with what I'm going to say after. Yep. But a collection of something from the fathers. Nice. Um, whether it be homilies or on the spiritual life or something like that, I think that would be... I don't know if it fit. I've just thought of it right now, but yeah. I think that would be pretty, pretty awesome. That would be awesome. Yeah. Homilies of the fathers or spiritual insights from the fathers. Yeah. All right. And let's, yourself. Let's file it away. What would I do? I might go like more 20th century. Really? Like see if I can find a 20th century classic. Maybe do like a little, like Columba Marmion, Blessed okay. Columba Marmion, yeah. Mysteries of Life Christ, something like that. Uh, or maybe do something even more contemporary still. Um, like I've heard of this book called the, um, St. Dominic's way of life, a path to knowing and loving God. Uh, maybe we could do that. 
Can't rule it out. I know the authors, uh, so maybe we <clears> can get <throat> discounts on the books. One is worth talking to, the other not so much. <laughs> Which brings us to the theme of our podcast episode. Bad authors. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is, which is becoming a better friend. Uh, yeah. So on the podcast, we talk about friendship quite a bit because it's the stuff of spiritual life, because uh, we go to God together. And um, we will t- we'll approach it from like loneliness or we'll approach it from, you know, like the building blocks of Christian sanctity. But here, just thinking about friendship insofar as it's, uh, it's a big piece in a lot of people's lives and it's uh, something from which we draw, you know, comfort or strength or encouragement or whatever else. Uh, so it's worthwhile to invest. It's worthwhile to engage and to think deliberately about it, and then to, you know, live. How would one say that? Uh, to live, yeah, like intentionally. Um, so friendship. How are we going to define it? Let's start with that. Yeah, I well, before giving a definition, it's it's a it's a, like a propertyic statement or a preparatory statement mm-hmm. to this. Yeah. I think often, and and as we were talking about the ways in which we've discussed friendship on the podcast in the past, it's maybe not always been intentionally this way, but often the conversation turns to our relating to other people. In fr- I mean, that's obviously friendships a relationship, but about our kind of, yeah, plugging into somebody else or how another person acts and how we react. But I think it's important, and I think we're going to consider this a little bit today, but is is our own, like my becoming a better friend rather than like, hey, this is how you should be a better friend to me. Um, and in that, I think that kind of leads to <clears throat> giving a definition of friendship of like basically like uh, what I think when I think of it, I think of it in this way as like a mutual sharing of life mm-hmm. um, that has to be wrapped up in, in similar goals and expectations and these sort of things and, and not like workplace goals, but like l- like life goals. Like mm-hmm. what are you after? What are you pursuing? And can you pursue that with with this person um, in your life? So. Yeah, I like root and well, we can flesh it out more, but like this this mutual sharing and or perhaps like a mutual sharing and pursuit of of something. I mean, I would say like the good, God, heaven, yeah, yeah. virtue, but like we can start there at least as super baseline. Yep. Uh, apropos both comments to the first, um, when Aristotle talks about friendship, he'll say, you know, it's more proper to the friend to love than to be loved. And when St. Thomas asks about charity, he'll say, is it more proper to the charitable person to love or to be loved? And he says to love because charity is a virtue which informs our activity. It's it's the virtue which gives rise to the act of love. And if you're loved for it on account of the fact that by your charitable nature, you've become more lovable, cool, but that's, that's secondary. So I think that we can only control certain things in life, uh, and those things aren't many. Uh, but we can control how we know and how we love to some degree or extent or how we respond to God's offer of knowledge and love. And then with respect to the second, I think that on the podcast we've also described friendship as just like um, a shared conversation and a shared life where we've talked about it as mutual benevolence with communion. In effect, I will the good of the beloved and I will a certain union with the beloved. So it's a kind of combination of those two factors. So it's not simply like I will your good from a distance, but I will your good here and now together because we've got um, a common project or we see a a similar truth and we're pursuing a similar good. Um, Okay, so then thinking deliberately about about friendship and seeking intentionally to respond to its call, uh, what are those like notes of friendship? What are those things that we should see in every friendship? Like this makes it to be a friendship and if this is missing, it's not a friendship. Where would you start? Yeah, I think the first is always like, what is the end? Like, what are you aiming at? What are you looking for in friendship? And I, when, as I'm sure you and every, whoever is listening, we can like, you can see different 
like levels or types of friends in your life? You know, as simple as like having an acquaintance or a workplace friend or someone that you kind of socialize once as compared to people with whom you're, you're particularly close or, you know, a closest friend, a best friend, these sort of things. And I think at each, in each of those, um, there, there has to be an understanding of like, well, why this friendship, you know, what, what is it aiming at? What is it looking to achieve? And those lower forms of friendship, not lower in the sense that they're bad, but like lower on the hierarchy as compared to like a best friend. Um, the goal that like the stakes are much lower. You know, if you have like a workplace friend, it's like, okay, having someone to like yuck it up with at work and hang out and like accomplish tasks and that sort of thing. But that's very different than, um, than somebody who's like your best friend with whom you share deeply and share like a lot of your life with. And, and so in my mind, I'm thinking more of, of, of the latter of kind of the best friend kind of, or like someone with whom you're, you actually want to share your life. And there, there has to be some sort of like common goal. I think we could have friendships with people who are, um, who have like different worldviews or like these sort of things. But I, I think it makes it a lot harder because if the idea of friendship is that we're, we're striving to live and to arrive at a particular end together, then there has to be some sort of agreeance on not only what is that end, like what are we moving to? What are we, what are we helping each other get to, but also the means of doing that? Because if there are, if we can't agree on how to, on what to do and then how to do it, it's like, then what are we actually in, gauging it, like what parts of our lives are coinciding and connecting and uniting and these sort of things. So that for me stands out as, as always the first, like, are we at least, are, is there something about our lives that makes sense to like overlap? So that, that's always first in, in my mind. And I don't mean that as a kind of utilitarian or like objectifying reality where it's like, I have to analyze this about this person in order to welcome them into my life, but just to sort of like, yeah, exactly what I described, a sort of shared vision of something. Yeah. No, I, I think that um, friendship is going to be set in the particular sharing. So what do I mean by that? That's just totally arcane. I mean that depending on what type of friendship we're describing, you can expect different types of goods to arise from it, right? So a lot of people think about friendships and just as elective friendships. Like you meet a person, you are on the same baseball team, and then you strike up a friendship, and then you hang out for many years subsequently, and then invite each other to your like weddings and blah, blah, blah. But friendship is, is a broader notion, a broader category. It applies to relationships in the setting of family, in the setting of polity, in the setting of church. Um, I don't know why I dropped off the from both of those words, but regardless, moving on. And so there's there's different ways in which we find ourselves in relation to other people. And friendship is just what informs our efforts to love those people and to be loved by those people in pursuit of a common end. That's just what friendship is. So like the ancients and the medievals would talk about civic friendship, right? Or political yeah. friendship. That's like a totally normal thing. We can talk about ecclesial friendship or churchy friendship. That's a totally normal thing. You have friends for different settings or friends for different parts of your life. And I think that another pertinent consideration is, all right, like, why am I friends with these people? And we've heard of this distinction drawn by Aristotle among different types of goods. So there's like the useful good and the pleasant good, and then the honest good or the virtuous good or the noble good, however you want to describe it. And your friendship is also going to be shaped by the particular goods that you pursue. So like your friendship with the cashier at the co-op is going to be a friendship of use because you, you know, give the currency and she gives the products and you are charming in the exchange because that's just how life works. Um, or like your friendship with um, your croquet partner 
oh yeah, what's up, um, is going to be, it's going to center on that good of the common pursuit of croquet excellence. That's like a pleasant type of good, and you'll have a friendship which reflects that type of thing. But then like your friendship with the men whom you joined religious life with is is going to look different still because presumably you have higher aims than you do with the cashier at the co-op and your croquet partner, unless he is also a Dominican friar, and then you guys have a croquet Dominican friendship, the highest dimension. The height of all friendship, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I think that that's also helpful. Like, all of our friendships don't have to be best friendships. It's fine to have different friendships in your life, but to treat them accordingly. Like, the office of love will dictate the type of love, the type of investment, the type of sharing. So if you go up to your cashier and say, like, or let's say your cashier says, hey, how's the day going? And you're like, let me tell you the various ways in which it is terrible. It's like, whoa, I'm just your cashier. Yeah, uh, <laughs> let me give you your change, and I'll help you bag so you can get out of here more quickly. Yeah, so so like I think friend, just to have that between our navigational beacons, we're, we're charting a course towards a good friendship, but within the setting that's proper to it. Okay, so then that being said, when thinking about these higher friendships, these best friendships, what do you have in your mind as certain ground rules or maybe like, you know, rules for life as ways to improve those friendships, ways to invest in them, ways to see them flourish and attain to those ends? Yeah, one thing that always that comes to mind immediately um, is is the idea of how, well, you mentioned like the sharing of life, how, how that plays out. Um, I think that there really needs to be, and it seems like this plays out not just in my own life, but in like historically in the grand scheme of human relationships, that there needs to be a sense of equity in the relationship. So somebody like I can't be giving more than the other person is giving. And, and that might fluctuate at different times in different settings, but there needs to be like an equity and in investment into the relationship. Otherwise it just becomes like expectations are off kilter, emotions are off kilter, you know what all of it just kind of becomes whatever so if there's th that that sort of and, and i think what's important there is it's not so much like the act of investing in these sort of things but that it betrays the desire to be involved in somebody else's life um so the question is then it's like do i want more or do i expect more out of this relationship than the other person and if there isn't i mean obviously it's going to have to be like figured out as friendships grow and, and continue and mature but if there isn't this sort of like yeah i'm invested in you and you're invested in me if that's if that's not kind of matched then it's it's not going to happen but that that's not just for somebody else to figure out that's also for me to figure out in order to know if like i'm being a good friend is is that matched um in like is a relationship is this other person always giving, always giving, I'm just taking, taking, you know, that's great. Or am I the one that continues to feel like I'm expending and that's not returned and whether that's like emotional investment or time or whatever. So I think this sort of um, like, are we on the same, same page about what we're going about here is, is, is something that has to be given right from the beginning. Yeah. Not that it can't be reassessed and grown, but like, yeah, that's, you know, if somebody doesn't have time for you and you have a ton of time for them, then that friendship's not going to work out, yeah, you know, yeah. kind of deal. Yeah, and I think, too, that that also helps us to see the importance of common interests or common pursuits because friendships can get stale or they can get silly if it's, like, a constant evaluation of, like, who is trying harder or who is responding better. Because if it's, like, a friendship is just back and forth, like, dialectical, dialogical, okay, that's, like, somewhat weird because I think... Friendships should be broken open to those goods that really make them kind of come together or really animate them. Uh, so, you know, you have these images from C.S. Lewis and The Four Loves where he talks about friends as kind of shoulder to shoulder proceeding together towards a common end. 
But in order to do that, you need to share with your friend what you actually love. So if you're holding back uh, and unwilling to share certain things for fear that they'll be rejected or for feel that they're for fear that they'll be judged or for fear that they won't be received generously or you know affectionately, then you're only going to give so much of yourself as you have curated or as you have deemed worthy for this particular exchange. But then you're, you're never going to end up attaining to those those real goods, which actually, um, yeah, like actually animate you or actually um, inspire you. So like I'll say to young people, for instance, like if you're really into stamp collecting, you're going to have to be honest about that because you're going to find a lot of people in the world who are going to think you're silly, but you're also going to find a couple of people in the world who also like stamp collecting. And then you guys are going to have a sweet stamp collecting friendship. And they're like, oh, 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 nobody's into stamp collecting. And then like there's one guy in the back who's like, I, I, yeah, I it's me. Stamp. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's me. Um, you know, but like setting stamp collecting to one side, what we're talking about here is at the end of the day, you need to be able to share those things that you're most passionate about, like your love of the Lord, like your, you know, whatever it is that you find to be your particular vocation, whether in the sense of state of life or whether in the sense of like work avocation, you're, you're going to have to share those things or else you're never going to find fellow travelers. C.S. Lewis will also say, in order to have friends, you need to want something more than friends. Like you can't just come before somebody and say, hi, I've um, never had a friend before, uh, but I was thinking that you are a good candidate, you know, because it's just going to produce the opposite reaction. Yeah. But if you say, hey, like, I'm really into black licorice, and I know a lot of people are horrified by that because it tastes like shoe leather, but I just, here I am, love me or don't, you know, and you'll find people who are like, gross, okay, stay away from me. And you'll find people who are like, let's take a pilgrimage to the Netherlands and get so many different varieties. Um, so it ha you, have to, you have to be able to share in order for the other person to see you, you know, to know you, to love you, and then you know, to, to pursue those goods together. So that'd be the thing that I would add apropos of that theme. Okay, yeah. so we've talked about that. And then that, what's your next? My next kind of thought on being a good friend. That's, I don't have more. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I have so many more. Um, I think too here, we need to consider what? We need to consider like, um, what was it? I was going to say like our ability to be a friend. Yeah. Um, because I think we can look at relationships, uh, whether they be, I mean, we're talking about friendships, but whether they be like romantic or friend, friendships of a higher or kind of a, a lower form. And we can see problems in friendships um, or like difficulties in relationships and, and kind of attribute them to external factors alone rather than just like, I might be the problem, you know? And there, I think there just has to be self-awareness in mm -hmm. In, in entering into and pursuing and cultivating friendships um, and relationships. And, and, and that might mean like recognizing, okay, like I'm not good at this or actually like what I'm looking for is like an emotional kind of fulfillment that this person is not gonna provide and that's just gonna be kind of frustrating. That's kind of similar to the first part, but I think like, you, you know, you were saying there's an honesty in sharing about what, but there also needs to be an honesty in, in self-reflection here. Mm -hmm. um, because we can't we can't expect relationships to grow if we are if we're ignorant or like whether willfully or not of our own weaknesses mm -hmm. um, because we're just going to be trapped by them and that doesn't mean that we have to be perfect to have good friendships but it just means that like you can't like ignorance isn't bliss here especially if you want to enter into a relationship that's nourishing and fulfilling and pursuing like common goals and interests and sharing of life like it can't be with, I guess this is kind of like the summary of it. Like it has to be done in reality. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we live in a world like that's such a dumb whatever, but it's, it's true. Like, especially now with like social media and all like relationships are so fake 
that to get over like the Instagram post is like, that's not a friendship. That's not people who look at your stuff online. That's not a relationship. It's just not. And if that's the way in which we interact and you want to bring that to like a face to face, really like it's not going to work, you know? So there has to be a sort of like assessment of self and not in an existential crisis kind of way, but like, yeah, like I, I react poorly when X happens. It's like, okay, well know that about yourself. So that way, you know, a relationship, you either the other person doesn't become like a punching bag or you don't become like a punching bag kind of thing, you know, cause that's not what it's about. So. Yeah. And I think that like, when you think about it in those terms, so friendship requires you to be honest before reality. I think of the way that um, Monsignor Luigi Gisani describes reason or rationality. He says, it's a detentiveness to reality and the totality of its factors, which I think is the necessary condition to conversion. Like in order to convert, I mean, in the sense of ongoing conversion, to like continue to unpack the grace and virtues which God bestows at baptism and restores through the sacrament of confession, you need to be able to like know yourself to some degree or extent, to accept yourself to some degree or extent, to get over yourself to some degree or extent, so that you can actually enter into a relationship with another person um, and know, you know, the kind of obstacles or hindrances that you're going to pose to intimacy, to sharing, as we have described, and that there might be similar obstacles or hindrances which come from the other side, but to be able to take them in stride, to know what's possible, and then to go on the basis of that assessment towards something better, to something fuller, something richer indeed. Um, but the presumption there is that you're willing to do the work. So I think, for instance, like sometimes we'll use our friends because we find it difficult to live our lives. So it's like um, you're sad and you text your friend like, hey, you around, and your friend says yes, and then you find yourself 25 minutes later in the same room, but then you're seated on, seated on opposite sides of the table just texting. Like you're using each other as therapy puppies. Like you're not actually with each other. So there's no real commitment. There's no real engagement. There's no real sharing. And mind you, every time you're with your friend, you don't have to be like, let's stare into the pools of each other's eyes and think deep thoughts. You know, it's like, settle down there, sweetheart. Yeah. Um, but but you don't want to use your friend just because because you're not willing to bear the pain of your life. You shouldn't expect your, your friend to just take the edge off the pain of your life. You should expect your friend to bear that pain with you, but it presumes that you're willing to bear it yourself. Yeah. Which is tough. <laughs> So, yeah, the type of sharing that friendship entails is it's pretty raw, it's pretty honest, it's pretty real if you're invested in that kind of ongoing conversion, if you're invested in that further up and further in. Because that intimacy with your friend, that sharing, is going to mediate intimacy with the Lord, mediate sharing with Him, because the friend's going to bring you before the Lord and say, like, we see in the same thing, we see in the same truth, we embrace in the same good, uh, which is a great gift when done well, but it can be an occasion of even deeper sadness or frustration if not. Okay, let's talk then a little bit about um, maybe boundaries. So like friends between men and women, hot topic. Um, I think it was a hot topic like 18 years ago and everybody's just over it, but we're just trapped in the early aughts. So, or I am, I'll speak for myself. And what, what about boundaries in relationships? Because there's, there are going to be certain things that you share and share, you share, and there are going to be certain things that you don't share. And you're going to have to have boundaries in relationships on the basis of those offices that we described. So I don't know if you have tips and tricks for boundaries and relationships. Yeah, well, I think the the men and women thing is, yeah, maybe maybe people care. I don't care. Men and women can't be like closest of friends. It's just the way it works. Men and women are different. Um, there's like the reality of like you know men are attracted to women, women are attracted to men, and that's not to say that you can't like you know like spouses and kind of like romantic relationships in those sort of ways can't be like you know of of the highest intimacy and, and friendship and sure. But like, um, 
it is just the case that there's like 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 attracts like and that like shared experience and like common experience is often the basis for friendship so can like men have women who can men have friends who are women yeah in in some ways can that be ought that be is that the easiest of like friendships relationships to navigate it's not for the like the reasons that you've that you've described um i think other boundaries too to be attentive to are have have a lot to do with like where we are in life and kind of states states and states of life and that sort of thing because again it's like this matter of of sharing of this of this connection over like shared things in life so is it easy for like a 70 year old like widow to be friends with like a 25 year old like single person like no i mean you can have a relationship but like the closeness of friend like your generations apart and it very you know so like it, it doesn't lend itself to to sort of that sharing of life in the way it would with with a peer or somebody who's 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 closer in that sort of way so i think i think like age setting in life gender i think those have like real implications to consider and in, in sort of uh boundaries of, of friendship i guess i don't know if you have more probably do but i don't know yeah i think that um, at various points in my life, I've said I am overwhelmed by the number or by the character of good people who have come into my life, and I just like can't make any more friends uh, because I'm not that good of a friend to the people that I already know, so I just need to be a good friend, you know, make new friends, keep the old, or maybe don't make new friends, keep the old gold, silver, yada, yada, that's and such. Um, but I think that a, a good spirit to cultivate while growing friendships on the one hand, cultivating new friendships on the other, and even still like letting certain friendships pass away is to know that this takes place within the providence of God's, you know, designs, you know, within the setting of his plan. So I think that, you know, you're not, you're not going to force things you want to love, right? You wanted to show the other that you love, but you don't want to be constantly gritting your teeth and trying and making of the other a charity case. Like the other doesn't want to see you, you know, like trying to love so much as she wants to see you loving to try, you know, like it, it, friendship should be something that comes naturally. There should be a joy to it. There should be a kind of a vitality to the experience such that it conducts itself, at least initially. And you're going to make investments, right? You're going to have to say, oh, when I think of this person and, you know, have the thought, it'd be good to text, you know, this reminder or whatever, then do it. You know, that, that takes your fingers walking across the keypad and stuff like that. So it's always going to involve investment, engagement. It's going to lay a claim to your humanity. Uh, but it should be it should be delightful. It should be wonderful, and we should be able to abandon ourselves to the providence of God and know that we're called to love these people for a time, whatever time the Lord dictates, um, or whatever whatever time we interpret the Lord to dictate. I suppose not to retreat from our agency, um, but we're going to have to respond to the the real factors. You know, like where this person lives, whether they have moved away or come back, or you know, if this person is a man or a woman, or if this person is older or younger, if this person dies, or if this person doesn't want to be friends with me. Those are all pertinent factors. You're only ever capable of, of what you're capable, uh, which is to say you can love those whom God places in your life for the time that he affords. Um, and I think that, that that also can help spare us some of the the clingitude on the one hand, the ghostitude on the other hand. Those are very technical terms, yeah. Um, which might otherwise creep into our relationships and poison them. So I don't know. Some final thoughts apropos of those random musings? Yeah, I, I think I mean, I kind of mentioned social. I didn't kind of I did mention social media and its role in. Fr- I I think so. I think like Instagram and it's like a scourge on the ability to have real relationships because it's totally fake. Um, it's totally cultivated and doesn't represent reality in the least. Um, and I think it's damaging this. I'll get off my soapbox in a second. I think it's damaging and 
to our ability to form relationships when when a lot of our time is focused on presenting ourselves on social media to form new friendships but i also think it's damaging to the relationships that we already have because attention is taken away from what is real and true and good and mm. before you and invested into something that's fake so that people can 40 people might see a picture you post and nobody cares um except you um so I, that i think if i think this is a good assessment or a good look at yourself is that if you are you know if you're spending more time cultivating like a social media presence than you are with the people in your life, you have no business actually being people's friends. Like you need to do some serious work on yourself because I mean, I mean, I hope that you can grow, but like you need to take stock. You need to, you know, like if, if, if that sort of dynamic is that like someone, a friend asks like, Hey, well, how was your trip or whatever? And you get like a couple sentence answer, but like you look on Instagram, there are photos and posts and like that's, that's messed up. That's inverted, you know? So like if, if that's the dynamic of friendships and relationships, that needs to be checked, you know, like we need to be, we need to invest in real people and real people need to invest in us because not because it's like social media is bad, but because that's what we're made for. That's what our hearts long for. Yeah. And and without that, like the posts and the other things, it's just a distraction from finding, like pursuing happiness with somebody else. And it's not a distraction that's a substitute, it's just a distraction. And I think that that that's such a like important thing to look at in my friendships. Like, what am I investing? Am I investing in people or like a thousand other things? Because a thousand other things are are not going to satisfy. It's like we're made to invest and be invested in by people. So there could be other things to add to the list besides like Instagram and social media. But like that stands out as so kind of emblematic of this sort of dissolution of the ability to be a good friend. Um, that. Yeah, that's my soapbox on yeah. social media and friendships. No, apropos of that, I think just this idea of commitment. Uh, so you see the ties that bind. We see them loosen in practically every sphere of our human existence, in the family, you know, in the polity, in the church. We're, we're just kind of disintegrating in the 21st century as, uh, you know, we choose for and against our whim and caprice. And, but with like friendships, it's a real opportunity to engage. It's a real opportunity to commit. And we find that we're tempted in various ways to lie to our friends or to betray our friends in small ways, which really undermine this commitment or undermine this engagement. But it's a constant invitation, like you said, back to reality. So like, for instance, people have had the experience where they, you know, they proffer an invitation to a friend and they can see like the friend doesn't actually want to do it says yes because it's easier than saying no at the moment is looking for a better invitation and then begs off once that invitation comes like that hurts that hurts an individual and it's like what 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 do we you know like what's happening in that relationship if this type of behavior is permitted or like you text a friend a pressing question that you know has to be answered within the next blah 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 and you had just been texting them and then the person doesn't want to get back to you so then she says oh sorry i, I stepped away from my phone you know like two and a half hours later it's like you're lying to me yeah. <laughs> it's like you're lying to me which is fine like if you don't want to be friends then you don't have to be friends and it's not to say that like you need to wait on my every word and respond to all of my text messages within 30 seconds but there are certain things where it's like we ought to be we ought to be ready and willing to give ourselves to our friends even if they're not the best imaginable people even if they don't necessarily you know photograph well and post well on instagram even if we might be on the lookout for someone who is better positioned or better whatever you know but like if we don't commit if we don't engage then we're just gonna die alone <laughs> which is blah, blah, which is where a lot of people find themselves you know it's like 
it's it, like you don't love your friends because they're the best possible. You don't love your friends because you've worked your way up the social ladder so as to attain to this height. You love them because they're they're yours and because they have chosen you. Because it's it's a choice, you know, to, to stick to a relationship which has arisen somewhat organically or naturally within whatever you know particular setting we've described, but that you've come to discover makes your life wonderful. It like makes your life possible. I love this line from G.K. Chesterton where he's describing at the end of a novel how a guy who thought he was alone comes to discover that he is not alone, that he actually has a friend. And he says, uh, his root horror throughout the whole ordeal was isolation. There is no way to describe the abyss, like the difference between isolation and having one ally. And he says in quintessential, you know, Chesterton form, uh, I can see to the mathematicians that four is twice two, but two is not twice one. Two is 2,000 times one. You know, so it's like when you have a friend, it's not like life stank and now life stinks, you know, half as much. It's like, no, life stank and now life, you know, Okay, we'll see how this goes. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, final thoughts, final commendation of friendship or any further things? Final thought is that I think genuine friendship is difficult. And if it comes easy or, I mean, I think it goes through seasons, like where it's easier to, if, if it's always, if it's never work in the sense of it doesn't take investment, then it's probably not worth what you think it is. Um and that's okay. We can have friends of that sort of dynamic, but like we're called to deeper intimacy and friendship with people and relationship with people. Um, but that requires, yeah, work and investment and and patience and mercy, not just on the part of the other person, but also what you're giving to. Um, so it's, but but that's what you know we're made for. So that's what I would say that it's it's work, but such is life, and it's worth working with somebody else in your life to find what to reach those goals to find happiness to be yeah to be with somebody on the way so here's to that amen yeah hallelujah amen i also <laughs> love turning to the camera at the end of an episode because in like one out of three episodes we trash social media and then it's like uh, thanks for listening to this episode of God's Planning. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. Like, subscribe, and leave a five-star review. If you'd like to donate to the podcast through Patreon, you can follow the link in the description and or show notes. In the same description and or show notes, you'll find links to shop merchandise and to find out about God's Planning events. Lots of events coming up in the new year, or this year. We're in the year. You get it. And so, cheers. No of our prayers for you. Please pray for us, and we'll look forward to chatting with you next time on God's Planning.